This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Hello, everyone. Um, We are so excited for today's episode. We have Mick Zazon on. Mick is a writer, a speaker, and creator on a mission to normalize normal bodies. She works to inspire body positivity and self-acceptance and raise awareness around eating disorders and mental health. And she so vulnerably shares her journey to help women find the courage to speak their truth and learn to love themselves at any size. Ray and I have both been following Mick for quite some time, so it was so exciting to speak to her today and um you know we are just fully transparent with you that like as you guys are listening to this episode as we're doing these interviews like ray and i are always on a constant learning journey we're trying to learn just as much and this is 100 probably been like one of the most Insightful. insightful yeah this yeah. has 100 been one of the most insightful insightful oh my gosh i can't freaking talk this has been one, together this has been one of the most insightful episodes for both of us wouldn't you agree ray yeah it's like christina said we are not experts we are learning alongside you and i'm just thankful that we have this space where we can say, hey, I don't know if I'm even asking you this in the right terms and have open conversations. And Mick really has, as you will soon hear her story, um, had to deal with some very difficult things in her life that Christina and I have not had to. So we um, were just thankful that she shared her story with us and opened up um, and that she allowed us to be uh, curious and ask questions. Um, But we do want to let you know that we do talk about uh, eating disorders in this episode and also about abusive relationships um, in this episode with Mick. Yeah. So just a little FYI, just so you get to know, but I think that you'll find this episode incredibly insightful as well and hopefully learn a lot um, and just join us on the journey as well. Should we get into it, Ray? Yes. Let's jump right in. Amazing. Hey guys, welcome back to the Confident Collective Podcast. Today we have on Mick Zazan. I'm saying that right, right? Zazan. 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 You're okay though, promise. I literally listened to so many of your YouTube videos. I was like, okay, I got it, I got it. And you know what? I everyone pronounces my name wrong too. So I apologize. We're just like in the in that realm of everyone pronouncing our name wrong. So anyway, we are so happy to have you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. So everyone, if you don't know Mick, she is a huge person and advocate in the self-love confidence space on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of the places. But you actually started as a weight loss page, which I think is so interesting. So I'd love to kind of kick things off and talk about if there was like an instance or event that made you completely do a 180 with your content to what you're creating now? Yeah, well, I think life stories are just very interesting. Everybody comes from all walks of life. And typically those who struggle with their mentality around food, their body and exercise have 
some sort of um, trauma in their past. And, you know, I, I joke around with my friends all the time that I've lived multiple lives uh, and I'm 24 now and I feel like I'm 55, 60 years old. Um, I was a very competitive athlete growing up. I was a nationally ranked soccer player and um, I had a lot of knee surgeries on my right knee. And unfortunately, I also accumulated over um, eight concussions and I was hospitalized and I had to relearn how to live life again. Um, I had to relearn like how and when to brush my teeth, when to eat and all of these kinds of things my junior year of high school. And soccer was my all or nothing. And I'm a very all or nothing person. It's either a hell yes or a hell no. And losing my hell yes was like having my whole life ripped away from me. And, um, you know, I was getting recruited by some of the best colleges in the United States. So I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Cause I'm, I barely went to school because I was traveling for soccer all the time. And so my identity was lost and, um, me having that all or nothing mentality. I tried to grasp on to anything that I could get my hands on. And that was dieting. And that was also finding myself in a relationship that turned out to be um, a uh, really, really abusive relationship for the next four years of my life, starting from 17 and ending to um, at 21. And I experienced things like Stockholm syndrome. Um, the, the abuse that I dealt with was called uh, intimate terrorism. It's where all forms of abuse is um, used in the relationship. So uh, reproductive coercion, physical abuse, mental abuse, mental and emotional abuse, um, financial abuse, pretty much anything that you can think of. I was dealing with that from the age of 17 until 21. And while my friends were going to Friday night football games, I was in a very, very bad situation. Um, and the guy that I was with ended up controlling my food intake. So I pretty much relied on him for everything because I was, he isolated me from my family, my friends, I mean, my whole identity. And so throughout that four years because I was, I didn't have control over anything because I was just so confused. Um, I, what I lived in multiple different bodies throughout those four years. Um, I was larger, I was smaller and towards the end of the relationship, I got very, very, very small. And, um, thankfully I created a safe plan with my friends and family to leave the relationship, um, which is extremely important, important because when you leave, it's, you're the most susceptible for the most violence. Um, I just wanted to point that out there. Um, so if anybody's in an abusive relationship and thinking about leaving, it's really, really important that you are safe when you are doing it, um, or the safest possible. So, when I left, I had nothing again. It was like taking like a weird leap of faith. I knew it was right, but like it also felt wrong at the same time because I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, 
And I didn't really have anything else to do other than to keep dieting and to be in the gym all the time. And, um, so I did that. And then I ended up leaving the country, um, for safety reasons from that abusive relationship, uh, to India. I lived in India for six months, kind of extreme. As you can tell, I'm a very hell, hell no person. Um, and I left the country and I, didn't have a phone. I didn't have any outside communication. I just left with an 80 pound backpack. I had a tent and I just went and hiked the Himalayan mountains. And, um, you know, throughout those really hard years, I went through orthorexia, um, and bulimia and I didn't, I didn't get the help that I needed from those eating disorders. And so me, my brain thinking, okay, I'm going to cure my bulimia by not purging anymore. And I'm going to just, just try to eat without having the need to throw up. And so I did that, not realizing that that wasn't going to fix the problem because I then accumulated, um, binge eating disorder. So after that six months, I came back and I had gained like close to 80 pounds and I didn't have a mirror in India. So when I, when I walked in front of the mirror for the first time, I was so surprised just by everything. I was, I've never felt that much shame for myself in my life. I think that we can all just remember that one time where we're standing in front of the mirror and we first realize or we first think because of mainstream media, because we're comparing ourselves. We're just like, I, I hate my body. I don't know why I'm so uncomfortable. I'm seeing all of these models just live the life that I want to be. I'm seeing my friends get attention from guys because in my head, she's skinnier and she has the life that I want. And I just, looked at myself in the mirror and I, I just broke down and that's when I started my social media. Um, cause I, I had two options. It was either, you know, uh, give in to, um, what my body wanted, what, which was to figure out a way to live a balanced and healthy life get help. Um, but in my head, because I was already on social media, fitness, um, infos on Instagram were booming around that time. I think it was like 2016, 2017. And, um, because of that, I felt that the right thing to do was to lose weight the healthy way because not, (laughs) I wasn't going to give in. I was, I wasn't going to give up in my head, even though giving up would have been giving in, if that makes sense. Um, and so I started getting coaches. I started tracking macros, tracking calories, um, taking transformation photos and posting them. And then I got my, um, uh, you know, training certification. And then I started teaching people how to lose weight and not knowing that I was dragging people down with me. I thought I was doing the healthy thing. I thought I was serving people. I thought I was, I was loving them because that's what our society wants us to believe. Um, and on the outside, it looked like I had the most perfect life ever because I was losing weight. I 
was, you know, doing all of these things online. But in reality, I was photoshopping my photos. I was photoshopping my smile bigger. I was doing all of these things to look a certain way online because that's what everybody wanted to see rather than realizing that like life isn't online. Like I'm not happy in my body. I need to do something about it. But I ignored that. And I ended up taking illegal steroids because mainstream media and I I went down this like downward spiral and I tried to fight my body so much that I, I ended up getting into some really, really harmful things to my body um, on top of my eating disorders, on top of anxiety, depression, um, and learning disabilities and all of these things, PTSD and CPTSD for my abusive relationship. I've been, I've just been running away for so long and, um, I hit rock bottom and I didn't get out of my, uh, apartment for a month. I ordered my groceries in, um, I ordered Postmates. I, could barely function. And I texted my older sister and I said, I can't live like this anymore. Like I was completely numb. Um, there was no, it, it was a weird situation because it wasn't like I, I didn't want to live. It was like, I didn't care if I died or lived. And I was so just, I was lifeless. And um, thankfully my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law and my nephew came and uh, visited me because my family lived in lives in Ohio and then I lived in Arizona so they came and visited me and um, we didn't really talk about it I think I didn't really want to talk about it it was kind of reaching out was like a big step for me to say like I can't I don't know what's happening to me Um, but towards the end of their trip, we sat down and my mom was just like, you know, Mick, what do you, what do you want to do? Um, and I was kind of stuck in that situation. Um, like many times before I had two options. Um, and I chose to give in. I, I knew that I couldn't run away anymore because I was so unhappy. And, um, I then decided to share uh, all of what was happening to me online. And it's, it's crazy because even when I was like really, really young, um, I had been journaling, I had been writing like bogus inspirational speeches and journals. And I had no idea why I was doing this. And, um, I was reading them just like a couple of days ago too. And I, I, I frequently go back to remind myself, of like, this is my purpose. Cause I had been doing this before I even knew I was doing it. Um, and I shared the ins and outs of my recovery. Um, and it was really, really ugly. Like I was crying. I was inflamed. I was just, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was just a really, really difficult experience. Um, and from there, I noticed that, so I had 80,000 followers at the time when I decided to share this recovery journey. And I, I shared it with them because I knew that 
I desperately needed to show them that I was doing and sharing life very wrong. Um, and I wanted to show them that there, that, you know, recovery was worth it. And from the moment I started sharing, I got this outpouring love from my supporters. And still to this day, I have people who have been following me since I started my Instagram. And, and that to me is like everything because I showed them that, you know, fitness isn't, it's fitness and, you know, being thin isn't what makes you worthy. It's, it's loving. It's, it's creating a balanced life. It's, it's doing what is kind for your body. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a long, uh, <laughs> description, but yeah. No, we appreciate it so much. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to be just completely honest with you. So a lot of the things that you share so well and are so open about are things that like have intimidated me to talk about because I'm so grateful that I haven't experienced them, you know, and I'm so sorry that you have gone through um, an abusive relationship and have struggled with eating disorders. So this is like a topic that we know our listeners want to learn more about. And um, frankly, like I haven't experienced them. And I know Ray, you have said, I'm speaking for both of us, but um, I think that you haven't as well. Um, and it, it's so difficult to share those journeys, right? It's, it's, it's hard enough to be like, I have stomach rolls and like those have made me insecure, but to deal with something that is like so much more in depth and um, obviously like it, it's so serious is really hard to talk about. So we thank you for being so vulnerable. Um, I feel like we need to rewind it back a little bit because you just unpack so much. So um Real quick, I know that you said that through those four years in your relationship, you were like so isolated from your friends and your family. Um, how did you find the confidence to like ask for help and know that you had to get out of that relationship? Um, it was really hard because, you know, many times you see, you see on the news that, uh, you know, someone's in a, domestic violence um, situation and the uh, abuser got arrested, but the person who was abused ended up, um, you know, taking their statement back. Mm -hmm. And then the abuser got, gets out of jail. And, you know, I was definitely in that mindset as well. Like it, it's so hard to get yourself out of something and get yourself out of a relationship that has truly brainwashed you into thinking that um, you have nowhere else to go and that that person is the only one that loves you and that your love is so strong that, you know, nothing could possibly get in the way of it, even if that means you're getting hurt. Um I think it all came down to me just so there was a specific instance where um, my grandma called me and I hadn't been home in about a year and a half. Um, I was in college and my uh, abuser um, ended up 
taking me out of college without my parents knowing. And I was living with him and his family. Um, and he didn't let me answer any of their phone calls. And, um, my grandma called me and I was sitting in the bedroom and he was sitting next to me and I had my phone with me and he looked over as my grandma was calling and he answered and he started screaming at my grandma and saying like, you have no right to be talking to her. You have no right to blah, 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 blah. And, um, I could hear my grandma crying on the other line saying, I don't know what to do. I feel like I need to call the police. And at that point, the police had been called multiple times, but I, I hate that it got to that point where I had to hear my grandma cry and I had to hear my mom leave me multiple voicemails saying, you know, I like, I'm freaking out. I, I genuinely don't know what is going on. Um, and it actually took me calling my mom and begging her for money because I was also financially abused. So I had zero money. Um, and I, I asked her to put 90 cents in my bank account so that I could get oatmeal. And it took getting to that point where I legitimately had nothing. And I like, I was so frail. I was so just not myself that I guess there was something inside of me that knew it was wrong, even though I loved him so much. Um, it was like, it, you knew it was time. Yeah. And I called my, my two friends who I hadn't seen in probably two, two and a half years. And they had no idea what was going on. I was just like, Hey, I need you to pick me up at this address and I have a bunch of stuff and we just need to go immediately. Um, and I, I still remember that day, like it was yesterday. Um, not only because it was so emotional, but when I, when my friends dropped me off at my parents' home, um, my dad opened the front door and I just like the amount of relief I saw my mom was standing behind him and they both started crying and I just embraced them both. And I, I just said, I was home. I was, I'm home, mom and dad, I'm home. Um, and even though I wanted to go back so badly, and I think that is like a huge misconception with abusive relationships. It is so hard. It's not our fault. It, it's, it's not the person who is abused. It's not their fault. Um, it's the manipulation. It's the gaslighting. It's being brainwashed. Um, and so I just encourage any listener who has that just underlying feeling, even though it feels wrong, just to listen, listen to your gut. And what about um, friends and families? Like, is there any like one or two tips that you can give to them to like help the people out? Because I feel like, I mean, obviously for your family, it was so painful. And it's so interesting how you sometimes don't realize things like until they're happening to someone else. Like for you, you said it wasn't until you saw or heard your grandmother's pain or your mother's pain that you're like, okay, like this isn't okay. Um, so for those family members or friends, what are some things that they could do? I get asked this question a lot. 
and you can't really do anything but love them mm-hmm. express concern but know that that concern is just going to go in one ear and out the other um you know just allowing them to know that you love them so much and you're not going to leave because they need you. Um, and they genuinely think that you are against them in every way possible. So if you can just love them as much as possible, open up that communication pathway so that when the situation does come, um, they, they, do feel permission that they can talk to you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm just hearing your story. I'm like getting, I just am I know. appreciative of you sharing. It's, it's, I'm just like soaking it in and you have so much to share. And um, wow. Um, I do, uh, as Christina said, we are, have so much to learn from you and that's why we're so excited to chat with you because you have so much to teach our audience as well and we're kind of in our audience right now and especially when it comes to your eating disorders was this something that I don't even know if I'm using the right terminology here so please correct me like overcoming or like working through it was that kind of in line with this like timeline of getting out of the relationship and do you think you only could overcome them because of getting out of that abusive relationship or what was that like with your eating disorder recovery so my recovery didn't come until uh i'm trying to think 21 a couple years after i left um it, it definitely helped the healing process because I couldn't have gone through recovery in the abusive relationship because of how much I was being manipulated and gaslighted. Um, but I, I definitely had to make a lot of these recovery decisions on my own terms without anybody telling me what to do. Um, and I think that's really it's a hard pill to swallow when you, when you love somebody who's going through something really, really difficult. Um, especially when you can like, just see them be really unhappy. Um, it's specifically with eating disorders. Like you see them traumatize themselves and it's hard to see it's in, in, in the brain of somebody who is struggling with that, they think everything that they're doing is right. Um, and they're defensive. So my answer would be like, I, it had to come after, but it, it was almost like everything happened when it needed to, in order for me to get to that point, if that makes sense. Um, uh, you, so you said you struggled with bulimia and orthorexia, right? Which I'm not going to lie to you. As you were saying that, I literally Googled orthorexia definition. So that is like being obsessed with eating like healthier foods, right? Which yes. is crazy. Um, which sounds like not a bad no, thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like that's like yep. what we're told. Like, oh, like that's great. Like, I mean, I, I went through a stage where I tried to lose a lot of weight and like I ate like six times a day, grilled chicken, brown rice, like, and... I mean, you don't think of that as like a bad thing, but I guess, is it just like the obsession with it? Or like, can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? 
Yeah. So my experience with orthorexia was so interesting. I was on the Today Show um, when this um, when I first began to talk about it. I ended up going on the Today Show to speak about orthorexia because um, I had posted about it and it went viral and a news anchor reached out to me and was like, Hey, we would love to have you um, come and talk about this unknown eating disorder because it's the first time they were hearing about it. Um, And it was national eating disorder awareness week. So um, it is not recognized by um, the official eating disorder registration. Um, However, it's in process and eating disorder uh, dietitians who specialize in eating disorders, they treat it, they diagnose it. Um, It's been around for a very, very, very long time. And it's really scary because you are obsessed with being healthy. You have a God complex around what kind of food you eat. You are defensive. You, um, you think that you are higher than everybody else around you because you're eating clean in quotations, clean. I hate that word, but, um, you know, exercising, right. And it's, you eliminate food groups to the point where you're only eating, you know, whatever it is that you think is healthy. Um, and that includes like eliminating dairy, gluten, um, you know, all of the things that we see in on Instagram or in mainstream media um, to tell us we have to do that in order to be healthy. But in reality, a lot of the people sharing that stuff, they do have orthorexia. Um, they do struggle with a lot of internalized things unless you have, um, you know, a pre-existing condition like a autoimmune disease or, or things uh, like an allergy towards gluten. Um, and it's a very fine line because orthorexia is typically like the, the, the leading cause to more severe eating disorders like bulimia, like binge eating, because you're so hyper-focused on food. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a scary one. See, this is so interesting to me, right? Because obviously you also come from like a fitness background and like you started your whole page with trying to teach people how to like work out healthy and, uh, and eat healthy and all this. And um, for me, I struggle with because I I think that like you can love your body and accept your body and like also like not want to eat dairy and like say that and say that too. So like, how do you like balance that and like find that fine line? Because I, I sometimes it seems like very contradictory, right? And I, I don't want to be someone who's like encouraging people to not do certain things that could be unhealthy for them. But like, I have 100% said several times, I'm trying to eliminate dairy from my diet. And that for me is because I swear to you, like my acne is caused by Manchego cheese, like, like, or you know what I mean? Or like, I, it doesn't feel good. Or like, I notice a difference in my body, but like, I, I guess like, how do you balance all of that and knowing like what is right, what is wrong. And also like, it's hard because you want to encourage people to live the best life, but like also you don't want to tell people what to do with their lives either. So like, how do you figure and navigate all of that out? Um, I thought it was really awesome how you 
kind of just sorted through your own thought process there (laughs) and the fact where you said, I, I feel better when I don't eat it. And I, I notice a difference in my skin when I do eat it. Um, I don't eat dairy very uh, frequently. Um, and I am very like picky, choosy, what kinds of cheeses, but that's like mainly because I, um, you know, like certain cheeses, but also because I don't like the way that I feel when I eat it. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way that I feel when I eat it. That doesn't mean someone else shouldn't. That doesn't mean that's like a blanket statement. Right. Um, and same thing with like gluten. I, I like how I feel better eating certain, um, you know, breads than other breads. Like it's all whatever makes you feel best. Um, and what, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not about thinking that food is certain foods are right or wrong. It's about, okay, how am I going to honor my body? Like, how am I going to honor how I'm feeling? How do I want to feel when I'm eating this? Do I feel sad today? Cause it's okay to emotionally eat and have like ice cream for breakfast. Um, and, and that's honoring how, you feel in that moment. And that is completely okay. Emotionally, emotional eating is not a bad thing. Um, what is bad is having coping mechanisms, um, and not having coping mechanisms outside of eating and taking things out on your body. Cause that's when you get stuck. Um, and a lot of what we see on social media is saying like, go hard or go home. If you're going to like, if, if you're not going to eat a certain cheese, just eliminate all cheeses because it's just bad for you. Cheese isn't made to be processed in a human body or things, yeah. things like that. But like pizza is freaking good. The best. Pizza is delicious. So good. And <laughs> at the end of the day, our, our body on a molecular level cannot tell the difference between certain foods. It like, it breaks it down all the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's being cognizant of how others, um, view food and just saying like, I feel good when I eat this way. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think that, um, there, it's just like so hard, right? There's a really fine line because, and I feel a lot of pressure as a content creator and as someone who's in this space of, I, I like eating healthy a lot of the time and I like working out, like building muscle, like makes me feel empowered. You know what I mean? And I think that there's a lot of, um, there, sometimes I just worry that like, I don't want to contradict myself of being like, love your body, like be careful. Like, I mean, love your body, no matter like what your weight is, but also like, this is what I do to like build a healthy body. And I think that there's a lot of confusion there for a lot of people. And I think that the bottom line is like, you just need to do things coming from the right place for you and like feeling good for you and empowering yourself and not a way to punish yourself. It's you're doing things out of love. And I, I, I think I, I, that's a lot of I, I believe what you talk about, too. But um, I think that there's some confusion there for people, you know? Yeah, I think right now we have like our whole entire world and society like we're in a very transitional point in time because there's a lot of racial injustice being done um, right now. And we're beginning to, to speak out about it. We're beginning, we're like, we're really coming together and bringing out the issues that have been around 
forever. And we're talking about education system. Um, a lot of diet culture did originate from um, white supremacy and, um, you know, in how the government works, how our healthcare system works. And why I brought that up is because um, right now, and pretty much everybody at some age, whether we're in high school, college, um, you know, uh, mid 20s, 30s, whatever it may be, um, we look to people like us with a platform who are speaking about being confident in their body, because we were not taught in our in the education system, how to manage balance within our own body. Instead, we are taught um, by certain education systems that are funded by government systems like um, the dairy industry and and just to bring that up, um, but like the farming industries, it's not meant to cater for mental health. We don't have mental health classes. We have physical health classes. We don't learn about um, the female uh, reproductive organs the way that we should. There's not enough sex education. There's not enough education around health as a whole. And that's why we are so thirsty for information. And that's why people are so susceptible to believe whatever you see on the internet. Um, because we know that the information that we've been taught whether we like it or not is, is wrong. You know, like our bodies aren't just meant to, uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to like the food pyramid and, <laughs> and the plate that was uh, put in front of us and like share, it, it would show the different portions, protein, carbs, vegetables. And I'm like, that is such bullshit. Yeah, like that's so funny, such bullshit. Um, and so I think where, we get it wrong. It's from the very start. Like we need to dismantle everything and start fresh, starting with like uh, racial injustice, starting with the healthcare system. And we need to look at it from that point of view, rather than let's fix the damage we've done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's exa exactly what you said. It's just like the lack of education. Like we aren't taught these things that like, okay, we have to eat on a daily basis. Like of, of the basic thing we do to survive. The only thing like when I think back of what I've taught about food is like what I see in commercials or weight loss commercials or a, a, what our, our parents' relationship with that. And there's like such a huge thing part of our lives that we're just not taught about and i think like myself included like we're just trying to figure it out like you said right now and i think we are starting to see that bit of a shift but still there's so much to do even like with clean eating that's like a term like i know you mentioned that like that is i mean until you just said something like i thought you know a pot like you don't think it was a bad thing. thing. Yeah. Right. You know? It, it is. So, yeah. Totally. Um, it is so true. Like, and so much of it, like we, like you just said, Ray, is based on what we learn at home too, because our education system isn't teaching us that. Um, I know Ray and I have spoken a little bit about our confidence journeys and what food was like in the relationship to home. For me, like, I'm Greek. My, like, family, like, literally, like, life surrounds 
itself around food. Like everything, my mom still to this day, like, what are you making for dinner? Like at 10 a.m. You know what I mean? That's just like the conversation that we have. And I know now the holidays are coming up and I something that I felt a lot of pressure is going home for the holidays. And something that's really affected me is like when I gained weight, I was so embarrassed to go home for the holidays. I was like, oh, mm. someone's going to say something about my weight. Like it's honestly like stopped me from wanting to go home for the holidays when I was, and that's just so terrible. And I know I know I'm not alone. And um, so I've felt insecurities on how I've looked going home and being in front of my family. And also like, you know, people are like, oh, it's the holidays. Eat those cookies, eat that. But then at the same time, like I feel pressure not to eat the cookies because I'm being judged for eating the cookies. You know, like I'm talking about a lot of things here, Mick. I'm, you're like a therapist <laughs> right now. Oh, I'm um, following. I know exactly what you're so, talking about. So what advice can you give to our listeners who are kind of like, and to me, um, who have struggled with like these sort of issues, um, especially now? I mean, I don't, who knows what's going on with the holidays? Obviously it's like this year is different for everyone, but if they are going home to see their families, like how can they kind of balance those insecurities? I think, it first of all i just want to honor like the amount of like we i don't even know how to explain it. it's like a bunch of weird feelings when you go to see family after you haven't seen them in a while like extended family you're like i it doesn't really hit you until it's happening or until like a week before and you're like oh shit like i don't i don't know what to do and then from for me personally, I would I would literally plan my meals in my head so that I wouldn't go overboard or like I wouldn't eat that cookie because I know I knew in my head because I was restricting if I ate that cookie, I would eat the whole box of cookies. Um, and there is just so much fear when you are entering the holiday season. Um and I'm in my head, I'm thinking about like, I would diet so much before holiday season and not because I knew that I was going to have like this massive cheat week or whatever in my head. Um, and it's so backwards <laughs> because I don't want to say that uh, the American culture has has really it's like forcing food on us in a way you know what I mean like it's it's like and not that I just I do you guys know what I'm saying like yeah. here here's like a big pie okay like here's Thanksgiving you know eat as much as you can and mm-hmm. I I genuinely believe that that just shows how not in tune with our bodies like the whole country is because we have to have an excuse just for a day for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas day to eat whatever we want when we can do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but my advice for people going into the holiday season is to just, uh, is, is to keep doing what you're doing as hard as, as that is like keep eating uh, a balanced uh, meal, keep eating snacks, don't restrict, um, you know, give yourself permission to, to uh, trial and error, you know, because I didn't get to where I was if I didn't go through those trial and errors and, and learn what my body liked and didn't like. 
and also um, practicing setting boundaries with family and telling them, um, you know, I don't, I don't receive you like asking me if I want a cookie very well. That's not about you. It's definitely about me. And is it okay if I just like eat, what I want without any commentary. <laughs> and that's really hard. Communicating boundaries is super hard with like with parents, especially because, um, you know, they have fed us our whole lives and that's just hard. So setting boundaries is a big one, but also to not overcomplicate it as we all do. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's so hard. I know one thanks one Thanksgiving, I had my boyfriend there who was he's a very clean eater. I'm like, as you were talking about orthorexia, my mind was kind of like interesting. Um, but I like jumped, we were all having fun, having a good time, you know, and I got on his back and my grandpa's like, Whoa, you're gonna break his back. And it's like little comments like that. It's it, it's you know, if that was five years ago, that would have like broke me. And it's my grandpa, you know, he, he doesn't, you have to, I guess it's like finding that balance, especially with the commentary of your family of, and I know many people probably have it way worse than my, you know, grandpa comment. And it's so hard, but it just is like having that security in yourself to like, or just like check in and be like, I'm more than my, my weight or my body. And I have more to offer than my body. And it's, I just want to like, I think a lot of people have those little comments from their family. And I just want to like, say that reminder that like all three of us here feel you and that you are so much more than that. Um, because and also, ooh, it's hard. Also, you can be a leading example for your parents and your your family. You can tell them that that's not okay to say. Like, it's, you have the permission to say that because they might not know. And them not knowing isn't bad on them. They just need to learn, just like you needed to learn. Oh, 100%. I, so my grandfather's 97 years old, and I've had the exact same experience. And I remember one time they told me, you never had a big butt like your butt looks huge now and I was just like thank you you know how hard I work for this big butts are in this is muscle this is my mashed potatoes this and that and you just gotta like like you said Ray find the power and the confidence in yourself to turn the conversation around and let them know that they're wrong and that you feel good about yourself and literally you don't care if they think your ass is huge because the only opinion that matters is your own mm-hmm and just show off that body in those jeans. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, family and food is tough, no matter what. Mm. Yeah. Well, make I, I also want. Oh, go ahead. I used to um, hand out pamphlets to my parents when I was going through uh, eating disorder recovery, saying like, "Hey, this is what I'm going through," because like they didn't have any education around it. Like I, yeah. I had my dietitian print out pamphlets so that I could give them to them. And from that point on, they, they got it. So I guess it worked. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Mick, one thing that you started, which has become a huge movement is normalize normal bodies. Um, how did that, like, how did you come up with that? Like, did, was it just, were you just sitting there and it was like, ding. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, I had a dietitian appointment, a therapy appointment, and I, I did outpatient recovery. So, um, I wasn't in a hospital, but I 
did group therapy. I did personal therapy. I did um, uh, EMDR therapy, which is a specific PTSD therapy. Um, I saw my psychiatrist pretty much every single day. So I had a full-time job around healing. Um, and I had gotten out of all of my appointments and I had just entered the recovery phase and I was beginning to share this recovery journey with my followers. And I had been doing a partnership with this one company and they gave me this letter board with a bunch of letters that I could like stick on. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like write a phrase. And I was frustrated, uh, with society at that point, because I was learning a lot about how diet culture worked. And I was so upset that I, being in a privileged body, I never saw my body in a magazine. Like I never felt like I was seeing myself in movies. I never felt like I was seeing my acne in, in movies and, in. I didn't think that I was deserving of, of being the main character in my life because no main character had my body type. Um, and I was like, I, but I'm normal and I deserve to be honored in that way as well. And I just remember looking at the letter board and sticking normalized normal bodies on it and then taking a photo and then that image went viral and the hashtag went viral. And I didn't know until like a week later when I started seeing like news stations talk about it. Um, and Billy Eilish just used it like a month ago, which is absolutely insane. Um, the, the fact that she doesn't know who I am, but it's grown to that point where it is a household name and people are using it to share their story and to share their own personal experiences is something that I am forever grateful for. And that the moment um, that it had started was about a year and a half ago, and I'm forever grateful for it. That's amazing. Um, normal, though, can be so different for so many people, right? So, like, have you received any backlash from that? Or, like, what does normal bodies, like, mean to you? Yeah. Um, so, I, for some reason, my brain hates the word backlash and criticism. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because I see it as a learning experience. It's taken a lot of practice to see it that way. Um, cause I'm inherently a very defensive person, but, um, it did, and it has come off, uh, wrong to people in the fat positivity, uh, and the plus size community and people in the BIPOC community as well, because, um, I think in our heads, when we think normal, we just think of what is in mainstream media, or we think of like a normal body, maybe a little bit bigger of what is just outside of mainstream media. But in reality, like a normal body is your, is your body, you know, like why do we have to, to demonize things that are normal that happens in everyday life? Normalized normal bodies means owning every single part of you because you are normal. You shouldn't feel alienated from life. Um, whether it be razor burn ingrown hairs, acne, um, different skin conditions, uh, you know, rolls, cellulite, um, whatever it may be, you're normal and you deserve to be honored. You deserve to be the main character in your life. 
Mm, I love that. Um, and kind of talking about how we love to like put like, this is categories of like, especially I'm seeing it on TikTok and I'm sure you have to make like mid-size plus size. And I've even gotten where I've, I say like, oh, I'm a plus size model. I get, I don't want to use the term backlash, but like I get, people get almost angry that I'm saying plus size because they don't think I'm plus size enough. And it's just this very, I'm currently struggling with it because I just don't know. Like, I feel like I need to say where I fall, but then if you, it's just, and I think a lot of people are in this where they're like, am I, they feel like they need to be in this category. And I think especially with the body positive movement, I know like this year there was definitely a lot of calling out or calling in. Um, what was that experience for you when it came to the using body positive or falling into these certain categories? What do you think about that? Like how we always have to label? Yeah, I think a lot of that uh, comes from ignorance. Uh, it comes from not enough education. It comes from systematic oppression to where voices that weren't heard even though that they've been screaming at the top of their lungs that they've been positive about their bodies. Um, and they were the figureheads of the body positive community. Um, you know, uh, that positivity, the plus size community, um, you know, trans women and especially black trans women who are in the plus size community, they, they led the way. And it's, if you think about it, like me, I am very privileged in my own body and I was using um, body positivity to tell people what I do, even though it, it comes, it is wrong because I wasn't honoring the people who made that space available for me. Does that make sense? And um, I, I've had to do a lot of learning and unlearning. I've had to take all the shame away. I've had to not be defensive. And I've also had to learn that none of us are against each other. Like apps, we're not against each other. That's not what's happening. It's coming from frustration um, in years and centuries of oppression and them finally having the voice with how social media is now. And now it's time for me as a straight sized woman who is white, who is blonde, who has not been oppressed in the way that they have been oppressed their whole lives to step back and learn and elevate their voices. Because again, we're not, we're not against each other. We're working together for equality. Um, but it has been difficult and it's been the best decision I've ever made. Um, to learn and I'm, I don't have everything figured out. I'm learning every single day. And that's something I encourage like everybody to do is to keep learning, read books, um, get into courses because there's an endless, um, abyss of information out there from, uh, creators that have been oppressed that you can contribute to, uh, to, to learn. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I find it like I'm in the same with you. Like, I still feel like I'm learning so much. And it's still, it's, 
it's just a tr- uh, tricky. Do you know? I, I mean, I get almost like even it, it's just it's just hard. And I think what you said is perfect. Is that we are all at the end of the day working together, and we just need to at the end of the day support each other and like lead with love and lead with compassion. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's tricky. Like I posted a TikTok where I said, like, I don't feel skinny. And like, so many people were like, basically screaming at me, you're skinny. But my whole life as a size 14, 220 pounds, I've been told I'm not skinny. So I just feel like we need to and that's why I love your page, Mick, you really do make a, a space where everyone can be welcome. And you share, whether it's acne or razor burn, or just like these tiny things that we deal with, all every single day that we've been told our entire lives we need to like hide and cover up thank you it's something i struggle with so much too because i feel like there's so much room for everyone and i feel like calling out is sometimes done in such a way to it's meant with a good purpose to include more people but it's really not it's like at the same time trying to divide people even more and more and i'm like I'm not going to lie. Part of me feels like "Mm, this feels a little bit like bullshit because you're trying to tell people that they can't be doing this and they're trying to create a positive space too. So I honestly just come from the area of celebrating everyone, letting everyone do their own thing and being as open and honest. And 100%, we all have so much room to learn. But um, that learning needs to come from a place of like welcoming and positivity as opposed to like negativity. And I feel like that is sometimes lost in the conversation. And um, I'm someone who... I, that just I don't respond to that when I see other people being attacked or like, I, I just don't, I, I think that's just never the right answer, you know? Um, but that's just my personal opinion. It's not the right answer. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult because I have been attacked and it's like, if you were to just message me beforehand before blasting it on social media, like I would have learned from you (laughs) you know what I mean it's like I don't I'm literally just like trying to help the world we're trying to help the world in a very positive way and it's it people don't receive things well or learn from their mistakes or even if they didn't make a mistake whatever it is they don't learn from negativity it has to come from a positive place and I just think that like no matter what you can't be you're not going to be the right person for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's okay too. And you can't live your life trying to be accepted by everyone. You're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And at the end of the day, you just have to be content with what you're putting out there and the decisions that you're making and knowing that you'll have positive influence on someone and that's okay. You know what I mean? That should be enough. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Something that I know you talk a lot about acne and sharing that journey for you and, um, Oh gosh, it's so crazy because adult acne is like such a mind fuck. You know what I mean? Like it's something that we've talked a little bit about this in our past episode when we were talking about um, with a holistic skincare expert, Celeste, but it's something that's really been a struggle for me. It's something I never, I didn't experience acne as a teen and I started getting acne as an adult and like it's, it's never anything that's like so crazy, um, but you know, it affects people in different ways. And I know that you also share, you've also shared that you're on Accutane now, right? So like, how do you kind of like balance this journey of celebrating your body, but like also, and accepting it, but also like wanting to change it in a certain way? 
So I change is a weird word Mm -hmm. because when we think of change around anything related to our body, we think of externally, you know, we think, you know, you will look this way if you take this medication, uh, Accutane. Um, but that's not where my desire came from. Um, I, it took me two and a half years to make the decision to take Accutane. Wow. Um, and that's because it is a serious drug. Uh, it's not for everybody. It has serious mental health side effects. Um, it's, a really big decision to make and me having dealt with acne for my whole entire life as since I was probably 12 years old um I knew that I needed to come to terms that I was enough the way that I was before I made that decision um that also came from me being in eating disorder recovery at the time and me dealing with um, a bunch of like mental health recovery around the same time that I was, um, you know, offered the opportunity to take Accutane two and a half years ago. And I declined because I knew I needed to get my mental health sorted out. Um, and I think when we think of change, um, it, it can't be from a place of, oh, you're going to look this way. That's why you're taking it. I made that decision because my skin was painful. My skin, I, I, it got in the way of every single second of the day. It was all I could pay attention to. It was physically painful. I had to ice my face. I um, had to do all of these things. And I knew that I could live a better life without pain, without um, you know, thinking of my skin or being afraid of someone is looking at my back if I'm standing in line at a grocery store. Um, it's not something that you should be ashamed of. Um, advocating yourself is a very great thing to do. Um, and it's the same thing with like weight loss. It, is it weight loss or do you, is, do you want to look better? Do you want to feel better? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to come from, from your feelings, not from an outward expectation. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think even too, with like, it's, it's like kind of like, where do you draw the line? Cause like I got hair extensions. I've, I've also opened up, like I've had lip filler and like a little Botox and like, I guess it's like, I love what you said about being in that place where, you know, like you're mentally not getting lip filler. Isn't going to change your life and make all your problems go away. And you're going to be happy and you're going to find a boyfriend. You're going to like, I feel like people kind of go into these changes thinking it's going to solve all of their problems. So I love that you said like ahead of time, you kind of have to be in that, that good place. And also just like if someone wants to dye their hair or get hair extensions or do whatever, like, let's not like get up in arms about it. Um, but I said, what, what are your opinions on that? That's kind of, I shared mine. <laughs> but what Yeah. I, um, I have lip filler. I have uh, Botox. Um, I had extensions at one uh, point in time. Um, I made a post a year and a half, about a year and a half ago. Um, and I am always honest about what I 
get done. And it's not technically normal or like what's expected out of people when they get that stuff done because people tend to hide it because they're they're ashamed and that is not how it's supposed to be um i listed out some questions in the post i made when i did open up not even open up i was just like hey i just want to let you guys know that i do talk about loving my body and i think this will just be like really fun i wanted to explore this it's not that i am lesser or more than um, mm-hmm. when I have or when I don't have them. Um, but I said, are, I, I said in the caption, I was like, are you going to lie about it when someone asks you? Are you going to, um, or do you think that it is going to be the one thing that is going to make you love yourself? Is it going to be that end all or be all? Um, and I listed out a bunch of questions. Is it coming from a place of hate? Um, and, we're not taught to ask ourselves ask ourselves those beforehand because we are taught that it technically is the solution to everything because celebrities have it and they have the most glamorous life, but it's never going to be enough <laughs> if you don't work on your your emotions and what's going on inside. Could not agree more, and I think that that's something that we all just seriously need to remember that like anything that you, first of all, people can do whatever the hell they want to do to themselves. <laughs> like I, no, stop like passing judgment on other people because you have no idea what they're going through, what their backstory is, what's going on in their life, why they're doing something. Um, so that's number one. And two, whatever you want to do, as long as you're doing it from a place of self-love and gratitude and uh, respect and appreciation for yourself and and not thinking it'll change your life. I think that's just like the most important things. And that's just whether you are getting injectables, whether you're going for another job, whatever, like you can't look at something as a way to heal yourself. You have to heal from within and love yourself and respect yourself from within and everything else is like just extra. Yes. Uh, Mick, you do such an amazing job of inspiring people all over the world through on the internet. Who inspires you? Um, I have two answers, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Uh, my mom and myself. And I say those two because I, I'm determined as all hell. I am resilient. I, I fight through everything and that inspires me to, to look inward and not to look outward. Um, and I look up to my mom, she's a cancer survivor. She's a, a president of a major bank. Um, she has been this leading force in so many people's lives through kindness and gratitude and, and all those things. Um, but she's also resilient as hell and she is such a badass. Um, and I look up to her in so many ways. Um, even though growing up as a teenager, I claim to hate her. Um, (laughs) we all did that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just, I appreciate the way that she leads with kindness and love. Um, she's just an amazing woman. And, and she is 
I think what is really funny is I take after her so much, even though I try to deny it my whole life. Um, she is my, my dad is a stay at home dad and my mom works and, and, um, typically it's reversed. And I think seeing that my whole life, I definitely took after her and her de- determination. So that's why she's like the best inspiration ever. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Love moms. Even apologize. We apologize on behalf of all teenage girls who treated their moms <laughs> like shit. One hundred percent. Yes. And also some moody like twenty and thirty year olds too who'd still sometimes <laughs> sing shit out on their moms because I'm guilty yes. of that still to this. I'm day. guilty of it too. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Mick, thank you so much for coming on. You taught us so much and you are just an incredible woman. And we were just so thankful to have you on today to chat with you. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Mick, you have um, a lot coming up. Where are some places that people could follow your journey and some things that people should look forward to in the upcoming year from you? Yeah. So anything social media, TikTok, uh, Instagram, YouTube, it's all mixed days on. Um, and I also have a clothing line shop common, um, that has like cool phrases on, on t-shirts to inspire conversations about body positivity and, and body confidence. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it and wish you the best holiday season and hopefully uh, we'll actually get to meet in person yes, in real life hopefully. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mick. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at confidentcollective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories. And don't forget to tag us.